0: All right, so we're talking about a new series today. Uh, We're going to carry it all the way through January. I'm really excited about just talking through the gospel. I'm going to give an introduction today, and you're going to begin learning a little outline that might be helpful to you when you're talking to other people and just reflecting on gospel truth and the message of the gospel. Then next Sunday and the following and the following, I'm going to point out from The book of Acts, chapter 8, 9, and 10, three people that God transformed radically, just saved them gloriously. And I just get excited when I'm thinking about them and and, uh, looking and reading about them and the power of God to transform individuals and, and how he uses people to do that. And I'm thinking by the end of our time today and certainly by the end of our time at this, the end of the month, you and I are going to have a greater understanding about what God's call is for us. And more importantly, God's power given to us to be able to be good communicators of the gospel truth. And uh, with the exercise of faith in us being gospel presenters, people just share openly about the gospel there are going to be people in our families, in our neighborhoods, and in our community, and in our business interactions. Maybe there at the plant or wherever it is that you spend time. There will be people who will be transformed for all eternity. And you're going to have a role in that. So it's really exciting for us to be able to gauge in this way. When God completed creation, there's a summary verse that talks about that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. It says, God saw everything that he made, and behold, that is, gather your attention right there, it was very good. That's the way creation was. Mankind was in perfect rhythm with God. His relationship with God, the harmony that he had with God, himself, with others, and creation was absolutely perfect. It was just the way God had intended it to be. Adam and Eve's experience really could not be more idyllic than what they had in the creation that God had placed them in there at the Garden of Eden. The environment was perfect, the nature of righteousness that they possessed was absolutely perfect. Their relationships were harmonious, and their fellowship with God was good. It was full and complete. Now, if you remember the narrative, God had spoken everything into existence. Everything that came about was by the uttered word of God, the universe. And all of its expanse came because God spoke it into existence. Our planet, of course, came in its unique atmosphere because God determined and spoke it into existence to be that way. And everything that's in it, the seas, the plant life, the animals, everything about creation came because God spoke it into existence he is that powerful however the creation of mankind was different God did not speak and bring about the creation of Adam in fact what God did is God fashioned Adam from the dirt of the ground and then God breathed life into Adam that was radically different from everything else that had been created And We want to know that and we want to understand that because God wants us to recognize that you and I, mankind, humankind, is very different from the rest of creation. He has breathed life into us. He has given to us a soul. God only made human beings in his image, in his likeness. We are the only part of creation with an everlasting soul, giving us the opportunity to have communion and fellowship with God, unlike any other part of creation. Now the trees clap their hands, the psalmist says, but really, you and I are the only ones that could commune with God from our soul. And have an opportunity to know God and him to know us and us to communicate with him very much in fellowship. Because God has made us in his likeness, we can enjoy him. And he wants us to enjoy him. And we can reason like him. And we can appreciate beauty and glory like him. And we can walk with him, as the scripture says. And what he's talking about there is that we would just live life before God that we would live before him, his eyes would be upon us, his spirit to be within us in unique fellowship. This is the way God has intended us to be. However, though creation was perfect, and we had all the opportunities that God wanted us to have, really limitless, Adam and Eve, as you know, were very rebellious against God and subsequently all people of all time, of all places, including you and me, have continued in that same vein of being sinners and rebellious before God. And as a result, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So when sin entered into God's perfect creation through the fall of mankind, it brought death with it. God had previously warned Adam about sinning against him, saying that you shall surely die in your sin the day in which you committed. God had already given that warning. So the result of sin is that God has cursed all creation. In fact, all creation is marked by death. There is nothing in creation that does not end in death because of our sin. The whole creation is cursed, people and animals and life, the ground. Death is a result of sin for all creation and such is the condition of the world. So if you're wondering why is the world so messed up, you'll find the answer in the sinful fall of mankind and the conditions that result because of it. Several thousand diseases affect the human race. The FDA says that they have treatment, authorized treatment, for about 500 of those several thousand. Boy, that just makes you feel encouraged, doesn't it? We're currently riding this turbulent surf called COVID and its waves of variants, which are now becoming endemic around the world. It's a condition of the sinful, fallen world of mankind and the subsequent curse that God has placed on the world marked by our sin. Every aspect of pain, loss, strife, and suffering is a condition of the curse that God has placed upon the world because of sin. In his book, Hard Questions, Real Answers, Dr. William Lane Craig notes that We call this period of time the fall of man. I think I've given you this in your handout. We call it the fall of man because in the act of disobedience, Adam brought a curse upon every person yet to be born. The man who God designed to walk in unbroken fellowship with him had fallen from the exalted position, that exalted position. Henceforth, he was doomed to live in a broken state, in a broken world, apart from ongoing communion with the holy God. Now, we know the broken conditions of life in which we're living. As we experience those broken conditions with pain and suffering and hardship and sickness and disease and death, we cry out to God, and rightly so. And God hears us when we cry out to him in this broken condition. But the eternal consequences of the fallenness of mankind are far worse than anything that you and I are experiencing today. In our sinful condition, God judges us and he condemns us eternally, the likes of which are unfathomable in a place called hell. The fullness of hell is really unimaginable. I hear people talk about it and make light of it, but it's really a heavy reality and there is no solution to it other than Christ Jesus himself would save us from hell and all the consequences of our sin. So I want you to listen to me carefully because this has sort of gotten away from Christians in the West. Hell is real. Hell is a real place and a real consequence from real sinners. It's a never-ending consequence of the sinful human condition which all of us have. I know that many people don't believe in hell. That's because they don't believe in Jesus. Because Jesus spoke about hell more than any other person in the Bible. And not only did he speak about hell, but he gave us very specific descriptions about hell. In fact, he says that it is a place of eternal torment, unquenchable fire, where the worm never dies, where people gnash their teeth in anguish and regret, from which there is no return, even if they wanted to speak to a loved one and warn them about it, no way to return. He calls hell the place of outer darkness, comparing it to Gehenna. Gehenna was the place where all the refuge was dumped right outside of the walls of Jerusalem. It was the city dump and a, a place where all human waste and other waste was put. And it caught fire uh, you know, a long, long time ago. And like a dump when it catches fire, it was constantly smoldering in all the smells and all the heat and in all the flames that are there. And Jesus describes hell in the most picturesque way that Jewish people could understand. It's like Gehenna. The worms are there and the flames are there. He gives it that kind of description. Now listen, I didn't come here today to tell you about the brokenness of mankind. I didn't come to tell you about the curse of God upon the world because of our sin. I didn't come to tell you about hell and all the bad news that relates to it. I came to help you and me to be reminded that there is bad news. It's the condition of mankind that moves us to good news, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which transforms and changes every reality that I've already spoken about. This is why we are encouraged by the gospel because the reality of the condition of mankind is so significant, so dark, so despairing, so needful that if it weren't for God coming in and transforming us, taking us out of the realm of hell and into the realm of heaven, it would never happen, but it has happened Jesus Christ has come to afford us life, new life. The old passes away. The debt against us has been erased. The righteousness has been given to us in the name of Jesus Christ. And our faith is there. And that is good news because that changes everything. So I want to focus right there for a little bit with you. And I invite you to take your hand out and just follow along. I'm going to go through an acrostic Cross, C-R-O-S-S, it'll help you to remember the main points of this. And we're going to talk about this throughout the month. If you're in our self-published curriculum in Life Group, you're going to dive deep into this. And even if you're not in that for some reason, you can go over to Guest Connections or over in Cafe 59 and pick up a copy of that curriculum. Or what I do is I go to our Meadowbrook app and I Look right there. If you see on the upper banner, uh, you'll see the harvest there. Click on that. It'll take you to everything uh, that we're doing in all places where we're talking about the harvest. Uh, I encourage you to do that. Spend some time there. Now, let me explain this gospel by using this real simple form of an acrostic, C-R-O-S-S. The first I've already mentioned to you is condition, condition. And you might ask, uh, how is it that the world is so messed up? And as I've already mentioned to you, it goes back to our condition as sinners. Everything that we're dealing with in brokenness, every situation that's dealing with in brokenness, every sickness and disease, every death and despair, it all roots back to the broken condition that mankind has. For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It all roots back right there. And we're not blaming it on Adam and Eve. I'm blaming me. I choose to sin. Oh, sure, it was an Adamic sin that got passed along from generation after generation after generation all the way to me, and I regret it. But, man, I passed it on to my three sons, and they have passed it on as well. It's the condition of mankind. All have sinned. There's not a person in the world who hasn't sinned and keeps on sinning. We have all sinned. Everyone and everything now falls short of the glory of God. Where God looked at creation at one time and said it's very good, now he sees the scars and the markings of the sin of all of us. We all and all things fall short of the glory of God. The brokenness of people is a result of the conditions of people. And that condition is rooted in sin. So we come first to understand the condition. But then out of the condition we find the good news beginning. And that is that we have been rescued Uh, We we are rescued by Christ. In fact, our, our favorite verses among us is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He's the only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal, everlasting life. This is God's good news that God came to us, that God sent his son, his only son, to be the rescuer, the the one who would rescue us from our sin and brokenness. I can tell you with certainty that Jesus lived his life with perfection. He lived his life righteously before God. He was sinless, and the purpose was that he might be the substitute for the sinfully condemned. All people are condemned in our sin. But Jesus said, let me come and let me take on that condemnation that belongs to them. Let me receive it upon myself that whoever believes in me would not have to die, would not have to perish, would not have to suffer hell, but they can have everlasting life. That's God's love for us. That's God's love for all people that he sent the rescuer, his one and only son, and so God calls us to believe in Jesus, his son, who is the eternal rescuer. First, we have to understand our condition. We're all sinners falling short of the glory of God. Secondly, we have to understand the rescuer is Jesus, God's beloved son, who was sent on our behalf as the substitute for us. And then you don't understand that he has overcame. Jesus overcame. God's son, Jesus, overcame sin and death and Satan in his death, burial, and resurrection. Here, here's what 1 Corinthians 15 says. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture. And he was buried that he was raised on the third day. And, of course, all of that is according to the scripture. What he's saying there is the Old Testament had been talking about it, sharing it. The prophets have been Uh, encouraging us with this word from that older testament of Christ that there is one coming who is going to overcome he is going to overcome sin and death and the grave and he will give that freedom to you and me he will bear the cost he will bear the burden he will bear the death and God's wrath that was against us And so by his burial and resurrection, Jesus proved to be victorious over death and over the grave. And in his resurrection, he gives to us new life. For those of us who put our faith in him, we put our life in him, he gives life to us everlasting. Oh, we understand our condition, we're sinners. We understand that there's a rescuer, his name is Jesus. And we know what he has done, he has accomplished, he has overcome Because he is the only one who could overcome sin, death, and the grave. And for those who put their faith and trust in him, he gives us that victory by faith. It's a wonderful thing. And that brings us to the first S, that we are saved We are saved when we put our faith and trust in him. How can we be saved? We can be saved if we confess Jesus to be Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead. Here's what he says in Romans 10, almost verbatim there. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What a glorious truth that is. So here's what he's saying The confession is not just words. The confession is your life. Jesus is Lord. He is master. And I am not. I forego all the direction that I once had and all the ways that I once lived. I forego all of it, all of that, and say, in my life, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I'm not just acknowledging Him as Lord. I am surrendering to Him as Lord. And I believe in my heart that God has raised Him from the dead. And in that resurrection, I believe with all my heart that God is giving to me eternal life, saving me from my sin. Do you believe that? Well, confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead. And my friends, you will be saved. Everybody can have the opportunity there. You say, well, I know some people. I don't care who you know. I don't care what they've done. Here's what I know. Jesus said, whoever confesses with their mouth that he is Lord and believes in their heart that his Father has raised him from the dead, they will be saved. What a glorious truth that is. It's our hope in living that Jesus is Lord. We submit to him. and. We believe with all of our heart that God has raised him from the dead. And if he's raised Jesus from the dead, in our salvation, he'll raise us from the dead as well. And we'll be with him for all eternity. Hallelujah to that. And that brings us to the last S in this acrostic. Set apart. That God is not only saving us, but he is setting us apart. In fact, you know, now we live set apart to the new life that has been given to us in Christ Jesus. When we baptize people, we are baptizing them, signifying that they have died to their old self. We raise them out of water, signifying that they are resurrected new to walk in the newness of life that the Holy Spirit has given to them. Because they're set apart. The baptism didn't set them apart. God set them apart by faith. when they acknowledge who Jesus Christ is and they submit to him. Romans 6, 4 says it this way. Now we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, that in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. What a glorious truth that is. You say, well, I'm struggling in this. I I, I don't find myself walking in the newness of life. Oh, my friends, you need to walk in the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Turn off the things of this world. Walk away and renounce from the things of this world and walk in the Spirit and see what kind of walk that'll be. It'll be newness of life. Now I want to ask you to consider about five things. First, if you've yet to do so, I want you to receive this message and be saved. I want you to be saved. I'd rather you not come to church. Don't give a dollar if you've not been saved. Because your salvation is what matters. Joining the church means nothing if you have not joined the kingdom of God. Oh, be saved. Be saved. I want to be saved, you say. How do, I, how do I be saved? How could I be saved? You go back to those letters of cross. You recognize your condition. You recognize the only one who can rescue you. You recognize that he has overcome. You recognize now he is offering to you salvation and he'll set you apart. He'll clean you up after your faith is in him. Trust him for that. Be saved. Come to Christ today. I want to give you that opportunity to take a step of faith today. And at the conclusion of this service, we're going to sing a final song. And I'm going to invite you just to step forward. There will be people who will be, uh, who will be down front. They'll, they'll receive you. They'll say, how can I pray for you today? And you'll say, I'm saved. And they'll pray with you and encourage you. Uh, you'll probably exchange phone numbers so that you can encourage each other in the next coming days. You'll be saved. Salvation, by the way, is not a private matter. It's not a private matter. You're saved and coming into a family. You're saved and becoming a flock. You're saved and invited into a fellowship. You're, You're saved, encouraged to lock your shield of faith with others who have shields of faith. That you might prosper and stand in this wicked world Oh, your salvation is not a private matter. It's meant to be very public. So step forward. Send me an email. Pastor at mbchurch.com. Just send me an email. It says, hey, Pastor, today I got saved. Send me a text to the church number, 256-442-3550. Send me a text. All you have to send is saved. And we'll start connecting. So the first consideration for you is receive this message and be saved. Hey, by the way, it's not my message. I'm just the messenger. It's the message of God to all people. Be saved. All right, secondly, accept God's call to be a messenger of this gospel truth. Just accept God's call. You say, well, God hasn't called me. Oh, if he saved you, he's called you to be the messenger. So you say, well, I'm not very good at it. Let's don't worry about that yet. Let's just first accept God's call that we are his messengers. Let me just tell you, there's never been an angel that has brought the message of God to save a single soul. Never. Only people. You don't get saved by Hugging on some tree. You don't get saved by being out in nature. You get saved from God's word. And God's word that is faithfully shared by others. So share God's message. By first just saying, okay, Lord, I want to receive The call that you have given to all Christians to be a messenger. I'm nervous about it. I'm not very good at it. I I don't even see myself being able to do this very well. I don't know how you're going to bring it about. But, Lord, I am accepting the call. That's first and foremost. I can remember just in a flash of memory being in my bedroom in the basement of our home when I was a young guy, just a teenager, And I remember God extending me, understanding God's extension of his call to my life and me giving him all the excuses in the world why I couldn't accomplish that and why he's probably not correct in calling me to that. And then I just had this overwhelming sense of truth in the spirit of God and it was all I'm asking you to do is be obedient to my call. You leave the equipping up to me. That's a good way for us to think. Okay, God, I don't know how this is going to come about. I don't see myself being very successful in it. I'm just accepting your call to be your messenger. How do you know you have the call? Go ye therefore. That's the call. Matthew 28. God says, go and make disciples of all the world. So just accept God's call. Then number three, learn the five verses that I mentioned today. You probably have two or three of them already down. Just learn the five verses over the next month. Over the next month, you can do this. Learn the five verses and that simple acrostic, the words that go with C-R-O-S-S. Just commit to that. Lord, I'm receiving your call, and I'm going to learn these five verses. These five verses are really great verses for you to be able to share. And, and you don't know what to say? Okay, just learn C-R-O-S-S. By the way, there was another one that we used to do. It was called Faith. And uh, we would go through the acrostic faith. I was with a guy, he was a good friend of mine, and we were in New Orleans, Louisiana, and we were just moving door to door, just knocking on doors and getting into conversation with people and trying to share that acrostic, F-A-I-T-H. And... The first time, uh, Faith, we were supposed to say something relative to the letter F. And you know what he said? God loves you. And we got to the letter A, and you know what he said? God really loves you. And we got to the letter I, which is supposed to be like, it's impossible for you. But he's like, God really, really loves you. And we went through all five letters. My job was to pray for him. It was his door to knock on. Pray for him the whole while I'm praying. Oh, God, only you're going to be able to do this. Save this person from the sin. He went through all five letters just telling somebody that God loved them, then invited them to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ and his love, to commit themselves to him. And you know what that person did? They accepted Jesus as their Savior. It's not the F-A-I-T-H. It's not the C-R-O-S-S. It's God's Word. It's God's Spirit. And it's your obedience that he'll use to strike faith into that individual. Just trust him. Okay, I'm going to learn C-R-O-S-S. And I'm going to learn the five verses that go along with that. How how do I know what those five verses are? You're going to pull out your Meadowbrook app, and you're going to look at that, and you're just going to review that regularly. Or you're going to keep this handout that I've given you today with this message, and it's all in there. You're going to stop by and pick up our life group curriculum at one of those two places, and you're just going to review it. Well, I don't know. I'm too busy. Oh, you watch three hours of TV every night. Come on. You can go through that. You can do it. Just commit yourself, Lord. Thank you for saving me, and Lord, thank you for calling me. Man, I'm kind of scared about that, but thank you for calling me, and Lord, help me in my little memory to get five verses down in C-R-O-S-S. I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to be available to you, so I want to do that. And then identify and begin praying for lost people. Just Eyes wide open. Lord, in this conversation I'm in with this individual, is this person saved? Is this person still marked with the condition of sin and under your judgment? God, if they died tonight, would they spend eternity apart from you in hell? God, is that person one that I ought to share C-R-O-S-S with? Just eyes wide open, heart open, just looking for opportunity and pray for that individual. I'm going to be going to the doctor. I'm going to be going to the barber. I'm going to be going to the beauty shop or I'm going to go get my nails done. Lord, would you, would you save the people around me? I'm going to try my best to go through C-R-O-S-S, or I'm going to try to go through these verses. I'm going to share with them. Lord, would would you save them today? Just identify and pray for individuals. And then I want to ask you to do probably one of the more difficult things. I want to ask you to take a step of faith and share the gospel with one person, at least one person by the end of our time together this month. I'm going to tell you outright, you're going to have every doubt in the world. You're going to have to strike courage in your heart. You're going to have to overcome this notion that they're going to reject you and laugh at you. You're going to have to be willing to give up certain things in order to share this truth. But I want to ask you right now, just commit yourself. God it's your word that's going to save them, not me. God, it's you extending faith through them, not me. God, it's your grace, not mine. And if you'll give me courage, I'm going to be obedient to do it. I'm going to be obedient to do it. I'm going to prepare myself. I'm going to know what to say by memorizing C-R-O-S-S. And I'm going to memorize these five verses. And I'm going to practice them. And I'm going to get seasoned at them just so I can make sure that I have the way to talk to people. Just trust him. You know what I'm seeing at the end of this month? I'm seeing family members saved. I'm seeing friends that you've never talked to about the gospel. I've had this conversation with friends before. I'm kind of embarrassed to ask you this. What I'm about to talk to you about is so important. And I'm embarrassed. I want to apologize to you because I have not brought it up to you before. But I want you to know from my heart to your heart, I have a message from God for you. There's a condition of sin that causes all the brokenness in this world. And man, it marks us. And if you think it's bad here, wait for eternity. It's really going to be bad there in a very literal place of separation of God called hell. But in God's love for you, he sent a rescuer. His name is Jesus. He's the only begotten son of God. And he's come that whoever would believe in him wouldn't have to perish, wouldn't have to die, but could have everlasting life with him. And Jesus... Came as the rescuer, as the overcomer, one who could overcome sin and death and the grave and make us victorious as well. And you can be saved. You can be saved from your sin. You can be saved from God's justice against your sin by trusting and believing in Jesus. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God is raised from the dead, you'll be saved. And God will set you apart. And when he sets you apart, it will be to a new way of living. And you might say to your friend, I wish I had told you this before, but it's so important that I'm bringing it before you now. Would you trust in Jesus? Come to him to be saved. Let's pray together, you'll say. I'm telling you, God will use his word. God's spirit will use your efforts and your friend, your family, your neighbor, your coworker, just may enter into eternal life with Jesus. Now let's ask him to help us to do this. First Lord, there's probably some who are watching online, listening on the radio, engaged in a podcast or here in this room that you purposed for them to be under the teaching of your scripture today. And they've heard my voice, but more importantly, they've heard your Spirit speak to their heart. And you're calling them to be saved. God, I pray that as you're pouring out faith with your grace, what a gift that they would receive you and act in obedience. I pray that they would confess Jesus as Lord and for the rest of their days live submitted to him. For Lord, you have given him. To take our sin upon himself that we might not die with it and be in an everlasting punishment because of our sin. Thank you for that. And Lord, there's a number of people who are listening to my voice in this moment, and you have called them to be messengers of the gospel. You have saved them, and by the wonder of your glory, they now live in you, and you've called them to be messengers. And there's a number of people, Lord, who now hear that call and want to exercise in that call. I pray you would give them courage and the ability to be able to understand the gospel clear enough to communicate it to other people. And that you would use their faithfulness to bring about the salvation that Christ longs to give so freely. And I pray it would be glorious. And more and more people would rejoice and praise Jesus. And worship him and bring glory to him because they've entered into his kingdom. Oh God, I pray that you would stir and move in the people of Meadowbrook. That we might be radically changed as gospel messengers who are obedient. In Jesus' name, amen.